All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is hour one of episode 505. It's just me and Jason today, and we're going to be talking about the generations. I don't know where it was, Jason. It was at some point where I think we were doing music where we began to realize that since we came into the year 2000, there's no sense of decade separation the way there used to be. When I was young, it was a big deal. You realized, oh, we're leaving the 60s going into the 70s, even a bigger one, 70s into the 80s. But what's more is the culture, the look, the feel, the music, all of it had a definite genre, for lack of a better term, that felt like that decade, which of course is social engineering, social programming. But what got us on this trail that we've hit a few times, and we're going to take on directly here, is that it's all become homogenized. Uh, at least from my point of view, in the 2000s. The decade dividers are not the same to the point that when we left 2010 to 11, it was just another day. There was, you know, nothing stood out about it. I mean, how do you remember? We were doing music, right? When we kind of stumbled into all this? Uh, Yeah, I was doing musical kind of things. I didn't see really any changeover that was significant. Now, obviously, I wasn't thinking about things quite like this yet. But no, there was nothing of significance that jumped out at me, unlike when I I was a senior in high school going from the 80s into the 90s. So that was uh, that was very noticeable. One thing that really stands out, two things that don't have the same influence that they used to, at least from my old man point of view, old man shakes fist at cloud point of view, (laughs) is music and cars. So back in the 60s and 70s, the cars and the music were a huge part of the culture that was, you know, pervasive all around. And that too seems to have become very homogenized. But it's a hell of a thing. You know, the youngest generation, as far as I know, maybe there's some behind them now that I'm not aware of, we'll get into it, is so-called Generation Z, they're calling them, or Generation Z in some parts of the world. And, you know, you and I always make the joke, what comes after Generation Z, right? Is that the end of the line? But you had uncovered in the research that they are pushing for a Generation Alpha to come next. Right. And what that is... They're the first generation solely born in the 21st century. So what I would like to do before we jump in is deal with my so-called generation. So I'm born in 1963. My wife, the people I grew up with are on either side of that by a year or two mostly. And we are considered the very tail end in most accounts to be the baby boomers, but we are not. And I'm going to put forward why we are not. And a lot of people are going to take issue with this, but I was there. And this is why we're not part of the boomers. The reason I am not part of the boomers is because I was not quite old enough to be involved in the big counterculture, which is really the defining trait of that particular generation. I was not quite old enough to be part of Woodstock or these other things that were really driving young culture or that generation's culture, so-called the counterculture at that time. And in that, there was a short period of time, I think in the 80s, when we were, I think, more correctly referred to as Generation X. But you got anything to add or you want to jump into this? Well, Generation X is definitely what I fall into. And these generations, as we're going to get into, 
They're not exact. There is no official organization and such that makes decisions on these things. It's just sort of something that gets into the media and people pick up on. (laughs) It's kind of like the term teenagers, right? There was no term for that kind of idea before the Tavistock folk had their way with uh, the counterculture, if I'm not mistaken, we had uncovered, and maybe it was even Coleman in Coleman's book about the 300, that that was one of the manipulative terms added into the lexicon to further their social programming programming agenda, uh, the term teenagers. But anyhow, I'm, I'm diverging from the main point here. Let's jump into generations. Generations, at least as far as the United States is concerned, are defined as social groups of people born around the same time who are said to share similar cultural traits, values, and preferences. In the U.S. today, many people readily identify themselves as millennials, Gen Xers, or boomers. But these generational names are a fairly recent cultural phenomenon, and they vary depending on the source. That is a fact. Because when I started looking at this a few years ago for some some line of research we were doing, it was all over the place, uh, not well-defined. And that led me to kind of consider that the whole idea of naming generations like this is probably part of a social programming agenda in the same way that you know teenagers and these other ideas that round about people into a group were added into the lexicon. But... If I want to be honest about it, as far back as I can remember in my lifetime, there was always the term greatest generation, but it was almost used singularly. In other words, there wasn't a lot of other generations that I'm aware of that were being referred to as readily as the so-called greatest generation, but we will get there. There are currently eight named generations stretching back to the end of the 19th century. There is no official organization that has named or is naming the generations. The names seem to come about as a result of various cultural influences that start to make their way into mainstream media discussions, whether it be particular pieces of published literature or various news articles. Keep in mind that the years mentioned to differentiate between the generations are not exact, and that some use slightly different years to define one generation to the next. Well, here's the thing that kind of feeds into what we're talking about. It's it's almost nondescript and there is no definite definition, but what is a generation? And I know a lot of people are going to have a lot of opinions. So I'll just lay down what I think I remember. And when I say what I think I remember, I'm openly admitting that this is memory. So, you know, how close to the mark am I? I think I'm as close as I can be, but what's the reality of it? I think I remember years and years ago, the idea that a generation was 30 years. Then I have a memory that it was 25. And then I remember doing research where the idea was 20 years. So I'll ask you, Jason, what is a generation? Is there any, do you feel like there's any solid reference point for what a generation in terms of time span actually is? As far as what I remember just picking up being in existence in Western culture, A generation from that context is uh, 20 to 25 years. But I don't think these generations are meaning the same thing. This is more like a cultural group. And then as things changed, they moved on to the next generation to name them, at least from the way they look at things nowadays. I kind of feel like the monikers like Gen Z, Gen X, Gen whatever the heck, back before the turn of the century, the millennium, uh, that they were more tied to the idea of decades. 
And uh, in a way now, it feels like everything is tied to the digital changeover in a weird way. The first generation is called the lost generation and is considered those born from around 1880 until 1900. The term lost generation is often used to refer to a group of writers, artists, and all others who came of age during World War I. This generation is so named because many of them seem to feel disillusioned and disconnected from the values and traditions of the past. They were often also said to be struggling to find their place in a rapidly changing world. The term lost generation was popularized by the writer Gertrude Stein, who used it to describe the young people she knew in Paris in the 1920s. Stein and many of her contemporaries felt that the war and the Spanish flu pandemic had destroyed the sense of stability and purpose that had previously guided their lives and that they were left feeling lost and adrift as a result. Writers and artists of the lost generation are often remembered for their contributions to modernist literature and art and for their experimentation with new styles and forms. Some of the most famous members of the lost generation include Ernest Hemingway, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and T.S. Eliot. Isn't it interesting that there's an association in the open uh, mainstream media that we are pulling from here to pull it apart that the so-called Spanish influenza is associated with, wait for it, a lost generation. That's very interesting. But I had talked with Fortune as we were getting ready to do this because he was there for a lot of these generations, to be frank. And he had remembered the lost generation as the 1920s, and he went into an explanation of why, but he said a thing which I think was pretty salient. He said that the generation that went into World War I, many of them after the fact, knew that they'd been taken, that they had been boondoggled. And he said that isn't it interesting that that cannot be said of the so-called greatest generation that went into World War II, never comprehending that they had been boondoggled. But there's what I can add. The next one is most often called the greatest generation, but sometimes called the GI generation. GI stands for government issue or general issue. This term is for those who were born between 1900 and 1925. This generation had witnessed both the Great Depression and World War I, with the eldest members also experiencing World War I and the Spanish flu pandemic. This generation is typically thought of as having a strong sense of duty, responsibility, and loyalty, and is often described as being hardworking, self-sacrificing, and rather patriotic. Notably, duty and responsibility were very common themes of this generation because the state of the world at the time had demanded such traits. The term greatest generation was popularized by the journalist Tom Brokaw, who used it as the title of a book he wrote about this generation. The book tells the stories of men and women who lived through some of the most challenging and transformative events in modern history and who helped to shape the world we live in today. Radio entertainment and pizzerias were in for the greatest generation. Polio and crank-starting automobiles would come along later in the lives of these folks. The term cranky, in fact, was coined as a term describing the mood of frustration that hand-cranking a car would often cause. All right, let me make the point here. I mean, come on, Tom Brokaw, how are we going to separate any of these so-called labeled generational ideas from social engineering? Brokaw is credited with this, but think about what we're saying here. 
They're calling this generation, which I always heard is the greatest. They were great. They were part of World War II. The United States was the white knight. They saved the world. There was patriotism. This bled all the way into my my parents' generation. So proud to be Americans. They never forgot the 50s, but back up a little bit. This so-called GI generation, the greatest generation, they witnessed the Depression, some of them World War I, World War II, and another pandemic. So I would just add, isn't this the perfect name for that? The government issue generation, how much programming and, and global, well, not to use the term, worldwide social engineering. And it's interesting to think, it's almost like the 1950s was a reprieve because, you know, think of going through all those things. And then the 1950s, I think in most people's minds is kind of like the golden age of what it meant to be American, but it didn't last long, did it? The silent generation is next before the very well-known baby boomers came along. The silent generation are people who were born between the mid-1920s and the early to mid-1940s. This generation name is characterized so because they were seen as being more reserved and less inclined to speak out on political and social issues compared to the coming baby boomers who came of age during the 1960s, many of whom were known for their activism and taking part in the counterculture movement going on at the time. Members of the silent generation grew up during or were greatly influenced by the Great Depression and World War II and are often described as being hardworking, practical, and disciplined. They are also sometimes referred to as the loyal generation because they are seen as being more loyal to institutions and more respectful of authority than some of the generations that would follow them. The silent generation witnessed the transformation from radio entertainment to television. The conservative nature of early television reflects their demeanor. Many of the silent generation born in the late 1930s and early 1940s confuse themselves as being referred to as baby boomers. This seems to be the result of the term being more well-known and the fact that marketing companies have used this term to identify with anyone over 65 years of age since around 2010. There it is, marketing companies. Uh, The silent generation? Really? So, I mean, it's almost like they're being labeled from the perspective of a social engineer. These people weren't a problem. They minded their own business. They were hardworking. They didn't you know, push against the status quo. They didn't talk against the government. But guess what? Their children did. And that became a real problem. I am convinced that the so-called boomers or the children of the silent generation, those who started to come of age in the 60s, uh, were a real problem. There were a hell of a lot of them, and they were not happy with their mom and dad's and grandparents' world, the wars, just all of it, and they were going to push against it. And that had to be dealt with. And we have done many episodes to show that the bulk or the heavy-handed, most prevalent social engineering we can see was aimed at the so-called boomers, and it echoes into today. But that's a hell of a thing, the silent generation, right? Because they did what they were told to do. Next, we have the baby boomers. This term refers to the demographic of people who were born approximately between 1946 and 1964. This name came about because of a population boom that occurred after World War II. 
Baby boomers are a generation that came of age during a time of highly significant social and political change. Most grew up and raised families during the civil rights movement with a never-ending fear of nuclear war propaganda being shoved on them during the Cold War and the Korean and Vietnam conflicts. This generation also saw the dawn of the age of computers. Raised jointly by the greatest generation and the silent generation, the baby boomers are a curious mix of the risk-little, lose-little mentality of their parents and the emerging momentum and rewards of the world's booming third industrial revolution. Mainstream history suggests that by 1970, the eldest of the baby boomer generation were said to have positively influenced the world at large and notably their parents' generation as well. The cultural and societal impact of this generation is definitely significant, with people like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates being counted amongst them. Uh, that's what the mainstream is going to zero in on. Look what these people are doing now. Uh, let's be honest, this is criminal. They're still pushing to go get shot up with poison and other things. They are buying farmland at a clip. I mean, that's that's a sidestep to where we're going here. But the baby boomers, there were so many, there still are so many boomers. And I'm convinced, Jason, that all this kind of gender programming, race programming, what's gone on with media and movies, that they no longer give a damn about the boomers because they're looking beyond. They are very interested in the programming of the so-called Generation Z and the millennials. And what we see here is that all the things that the boomers were interested in or liked in media doesn't make a difference. And if we look at some of the biggest changes that have occurred in my lifetime, so from the 60s forward, to me, it was all side effects or maybe intended effects of the social engineering and taking control of the baby boom, boom movement, who truly, I think, wanted to change the world. They got drugged damn near off the face of the planet. And this drug use was not pervasive before this generation. And it was normalized, normalized to the point where the big local pusher now is a pharmaceutical company. Some of the biggest drug problems we have come from pharmaceutical pills that are being sold. Back in the day, it was not that at all. It was you know, the pusher man on the street corner doing whatever, but it's been normalized to that degree. The things that were done to deal with, marginalize, and silence the boomers have really shaped everything that came later. But think of the things that they're pointing out here that they had to deal with. Uh, nuclear war pop propaganda. If I'm right, nuclear weapons don't exist as described. So that would absolutely classify as social engineering. And that echoes all the way to today. But think about the change in the life of the boomers, of people like me, where the big switch here is we're going from analog to computers. And that switch is really the defining trait of all the recent generations, computers. It's not so much culture being built on the things it used to be built on. It's all being powered by a digital stream now. I mean, what would you add, Jason? Almost the entirety of what I see young people involved in with culture, that's all driven by things like TikTok and the like. I mean, what do you think? 
It is, and it's also a constant bombardment, as well as a constant distraction because their attention spans have literally gone to hell. Now, the one thing I am noticing to some degree is that with this super heavy-handed attempt by the various media organizations to shove propaganda down the younger people's throats, because I think you're right, they're definitely not really giving a crap about uh, appealing anything to baby boomers or maybe even Gen Xers at this point. But the thing is, some of the Gen Zers are starting to figure it out, and they're no longer even taking in that propaganda, that mass media, because they see what's going on. I had a very good discussion with my daughter, who is 19, about to be 20, which makes her a Gen Zer, and her and her friends, they are really starting to see it. Not all of them, but the nostalgia programming that we've talked about so many times isn't going to work if, one, they don't want it, and they're not accepting it, which is starting to happen because they've overdone it. They're going too far with it. And two, the younger kids are not being shown this stuff by the parents because the parents very much are catching on that this stuff is absolute garbage and trash and is just trying to indoctrinate their kids in some way. The social engineering leveled at the so-called millennials and so-called Generation Z. When I consider my life and what I went through in my time, I can't imagine trying to survive what's going on now. Everybody with a high def camera in their pocket instant. I mean, just when I look at the landscape, but the engineering is overwhelming because we can see that the culture is being built by things like TikTok. And what is it about that media? Well, that's the lowering of minds. How often do you see these tactics to get a clip viewed where it say, this will terrify you. This is shocking. What the world should never have seen. It's all this low-minded extravaganza to try to get you to click, but then the content itself is diminished to the point where people are looking for music now that goes 16 seconds. You know, I watch some of the big music people who are interested in music complaining about the state of what has become of music And even writers, I watched a thing about a very good writer the other day where he doesn't even take freelance gigs anymore because what they've done is they first, they started to say, Hey, bud, can you write us five paragraphs? Well, can you write us 600 words? Well, really we need 400 words. Well, really we want four paragraphs, but we really like the one or two sentence paragraphs. You can see how the powerhouse places that control and design the media platforms and put out the so-called e-magazines or anything written online are dumbing it down, dumbing it down, dumbing it down to the point where the attention span of the young people being exposed to this is literally 16 seconds. And that is a problem because as far as I know, if you don't read a lot, there's not a lot of other ways in this world to become aware of so many things But when your attention span has been beaten down to less than a minute, can you imagine anyone sitting down to actually read something like, I don't know, Lord of the Rings, which was popular in my generation when I was younger? It's it's a hell of a thing. And And I'll add another thing. I've noticed this trend to completely bag and shame Generation Z because they want to be portrayed as stupid as not knowing anything. And I'll ask a simple question. Whose fault is that? If I took you back in your life to your teens, 
and you were put in the similar position, would you be any different? I'm just saying, if they don't know things, it's because the older people haven't taken the time to ensure that they know things. They've allowed the education to diminish. They've allowed all these things. And I just see this overwhelming push right now to label Generation Z as completely moronic. And that is a social programming tool because at some point, if that is said often enough for long enough, those folks themselves, those young lives will begin to believe that that's true. I mean, isn't some of the onus on us older folks who have say in what education is, or for that matter, in ensuring that our, the people under our charge are getting educated, uh, you know, in general about the world at large? I'm just saying. Doesn't the ownness fall less on the young lives that are supposed to be shaped and guided by the older generation? And doesn't that ownness fall more on the older generations that have allowed this to occur? I'm just asking the question. Well, traditionally, yeah. The previous generation and the previous two generations, if you're fortunate enough to have grandparents still around, should be passing on morals and values, if not outright education. I don't know how much that's happening anymore, and maybe that's part of the social engineering plan. If they destroy enough, what are these people going to be passing on to the younger ones, especially once we get up to Generation Alpha? That's going to be, I guess that would be Gen Xers' children and somewhat even Gen Zers' children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. But, you know, as I think about what I just said— Or millennials, actually. It would be millennials now that I think about it. Right. It would be millennials. It would be 1990s folk, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So mostly, I mean, not entirely, but what I just said was a little too cut and dry now that now that I'm observing it. I, I try to think of what was going on when I was in my teens. Take, for example, porn. When I was young, this was not prevalent. You might know a family member whose dad had Playboy magazine or things like this. And I'm speaking totally from the male perspective because I don't have any other perspective. But when we got into the 80s, all of a sudden people started to have cassette video cassette players. And here's the thing. Uh, one of the big purveyors of the porn that came out on cassettes was a Disney company called, I think it was called Buena Vista to show this wholesome Disney that we all grew up on. Well, they were, they were busy with their programming in the 80s too. But even at that point, porn had not become super prevalent, though it started to become more available. Now think of things like that, um, the exposure to the youngest generations now, where I don't know, most young people are getting phones when they're what, 10, 11? And how is a parent who isn't completely tech savvy going to block that exposure? And I'm just adding it in because what I just said, while it's true from a point of view, it's it's there's no gray area and there's so much gray area here. I'm just I'm just pointing up out what they're up against in the computer age because exposure at a young age to things like porn that's going to have an effect on morality and everything else that follows. Well, if you want to see something interesting, I've come across videos from uh, 30s, 40s, 50s, maybe even back in, into the 20s where there's people from the 1800s being interviewed about things that went on back then, sometimes about the Old West. Uh, I found some on the last surviving witness to the Lincoln assassination, things like that. And I'll glance at the comments. And one thing I'm noticing people are picking up on, which I also picked up on, is just how different those people come across. 
we're literally able to see video of people who are born 150 years ago. And they're a lot more stoic in a lot of ways. They seem way more respectable in the sense that they really have their shit together, if you want to put it that way. And that they would be trustworthy. And the people just seem so different from now where you just have no idea who you can trust or who you could believe in, whereas these people are coming across as very genuine. I think what you're pointing out is what I noticed even in my lifetime, Jason. They were grown up and they had moral compass. Like my father is an example. My father was never a rich man. He taught at the college level for his career, never had a lot of money. I mean, I was in a household that didn't even see a color TV till the late 80s. We did not spend, we didn't even go out to dinner. If we went out to dinner when I was young, it was a very, very rare occasion because my father couldn't see spending that kind of money for just a meal. But the point I'm making here is he would literally take a loss out of his own pocket if he was required to do what he felt was right. And that was going to be the outcome. Didn't matter what doing what he felt was right and ethical. That was what mattered. And when I was young, I I saw exactly what you're saying. People, you know, that I, I viewed as adults, they seemed far more grown up than they do. And I look at myself now. And I ask, if I was a young person looking at me now, am I portraying as as morally forthright and grown up? But here's the thing I think everybody can sink their teeth into. Has everybody noticed how ethics is like damn near extinct? When I went into a dentist's office 20, 30 years ago, there was a professional air about the whole situation. That's gone. It, it, it doesn't exist in my experience now. The ethics, the morals, the professional nature of things has all been undermined. And that too reminds me of a thing Fortune told me about a year ago. He said, young crow, are you aware that there is no culture that has ever survived the fall into hedonism? And we started talking about it. And I said, well, what is it? And he brought up this very thing. He said, have you noticed how adults don't seem grown up? And I've said on the air, I was, I don't know, in my 30s, pushing my 40s, and I was still asking myself, do I feel grown up? That's pathetic. Shouldn't that have been a question I was asking myself in my early 20s before I got to the point where, yeah, I'm grown up now. I'm doing grown up things. And I know exactly what you're getting at, Jason. And even in movies, if you go back to the movie stars of, say, the 60s, um, those people just seem a lot more grown up. They seem to carry a more authoritative appearance. But I know exactly where you're going there. And um, it's spooky what Fortune said, because are we at that point of hedonism? And, you know, that it goes back to the porn thing I was just harping on. We've already done the drug things that got normalized in the 60s, and it's a part of culture now. And so many people are suffering from addiction, no matter how you choose to look at that. But the whole morality thing of when I was young, I can still remember women walked into a room, the men stood up, you opened a door for a woman. There was all this respect given. And the reason was, is because these were the mothers of the generation and they deserved respect. And that's kind of why I brought up the porn thing, because that all starts to get undermined 
and it gets sullied and the respect is gone. But I'm kind of starting to harp here like an old man telling people to get off the grass. Let's keep moving, Jason. Next comes Generation X and is said to be those individuals born between the years of 1965 and 1980. This generation is often referred to as Gen X because it follows the baby boomers, sometimes just referred to as the boomers. Members of Generation X are often characterized as being independent, self-sufficient, and resourceful. They are sometimes described as being the middle child of the three main generations, with the boomers being the elders and the millennials being the youngsters. Gen Xers are often seen as being more skeptical and cynical than the other generations and as being less interested in traditional forms of authority and hierarchy. They are also known for being the first generation to grow up learning about and widely accessing computers and the internet which shaped many of their experiences and perspectives in significant ways, and not always for the better. You know, early on, Jason, there was a blip on the radar where information was kind of sort of being freely exchanged. It did not last long, but even those short, however long it was, two years, three years, I don't know. It was a short time, probably less than five years if I had to guess. And I'm just doing this from memory, um, and we all know how accurate memory is. It changed everything for so many people, that free information exchange that was quickly brought under control. But for me, the logical divide, because I am these so-called generations, this is my lifetime, is the baby boomers should be the people who, and from my point of view, who were old enough to have experienced the counterculture or the idea of the Woodstock era. How about that? Gen X is what came after. As a matter of fact, the music reflected the Gen X idea because some of the social programming that you and I have covered before that hit my generation was punk rock. And of course, that social engineering paradigm was recycled in the grunge movement in the 90s, verbatim, even to the name of the albums. The point being is that back in the punk rock, which preceded new wave or first wave or whatever the hell you want to call these programming music agendas that were foisted on us, the words, I think there's even a band called Gen X now that I'm thinking of it, but there were actual lyrics and songs that I think I can remember that speak to Generation X. So I think I think it was a thing even then. Millennials, sometimes known as Generation Y, follow on from the Gen Xers. They are those born between 1981 and 1996. This term came to be used because they came of age around the term of the millennium. Members of the millennial generation are often characterized as being confident, connected, and open-minded. They are sometimes described as being more open to diversity and more accepting of change than previous generations. Millennials are also known for being the first generation to grow up with widespread access to the internet and social media, which has shaped their experiences and perspectives in significant ways. Millennials have been criticized for being self-absorbed, entitled, and considerably reliant on technology. Well-known millennials like Kim Kardashian and Mark Zuckerberg seem to have made considerable impact on this perception, but research suggests that these stereotypes are not supported by actual data. Well, this is another thing that I see being used to convince Generation Z that they're all idiots because they'll do things like they'll ask basic questions 
So most people listening that are older will think, well, that's the simplest question. They should be able to answer this and they don't. And then they ask a question about a Kardashian, which they can answer. And they use this to further kind of defame Generation Z as completely moronic. But think of the middle of this, Jason. They are sometimes described as being more open to diversity and wait for it, more accepting of change. And as you were saying it, consider this. Do you remember back in early digital tools, like when we were first learning, say, Photoshop or any other thing that has interfaces like that? Remember how you felt when they changed the interface? It was infuriating. It was like, what the hell? I finally figured out how to do this, and now they've changed it. Now that I look back, uh, isn't that a form of social engineering? It still gets done all the time, but people take it in stride. And I'm almost wondering if that observation relates to the so-called idea that a generation is more accepting of change. Do you remember what I'm talking about? It was a big deal back in the day when we were all getting used to digital tools and they would change an interface and you would feel like you were lost all over again. Oh, yeah. I definitely remember that. Do you think it was social engineering or do you think it was something else? Oh, I think it was both because sometimes things did need to be changed as new tools were invented. But just changing something to change something, well, what else could it be? Agreed. And I think the real difference here is there was a point early on where there were no standards of things that you would expect to see anywhere you went. And that was shaking out. But then there was the, you know, we're putting a new face on it, you know, where websites would totally redesign. And that's just a choice. I almost wonder if that was a social programming tool to get you used to letting go to what you wanted to be one way. Anyhow, that's kind of a uh, an off-center observation. Generation Z, also known as Gen Z or Gen Zers, is the next generation born between 1997 and 2012. This generation is often referred to as Gen Z because it follows the millennials, who are sometimes referred to as Gen Y. Members of Generation Z are sometimes characterized as being more racially and ethnically diverse more socially and politically conscious, and more open to change than previous generations. They are also known for being the first generation to grow up with widespread access to the internet and social media, which has shaped their experiences and perspectives in extremely significant ways. Gen Zers are often described as being more practical, more focused on security and stability, and more interested in social and environmental issues than the millennials. Generation Z is the first generation that is unlikely to ever use a road atlas, look something up in a physical encyclopedia, use a fax machine, or rely whatsoever on a printed newspaper. Genealogy research for this generation won't mingle much with microfilm or old paper records, but instead will collect most information from online sources and family collections. Some of this list that you pulled feels like, you know, them trying to get you to believe what they want you to believe. But let's ask a simple question. Everybody knows what's coming with money, with, you know, just let's say the Great Reset, what that's supposed to imply. Everybody feels it. Everybody's waiting for the shoe to drop. And if you were the social programmers and the people trying to implement these kind of slavery minded changes to come, what would you want in a generation? Would it be good if you were trying to change things into a slave-based system for them to be more socially and politically conscious and more open to change than the previous generations? I mean, we've spent a lot of time 
showing folks what politics is. It is social engineering, lock, stock, and barrel. It's what it is. And as the media grew up, the power and reach grew up. But what do you think, Jason? It almost feels like the generation they need to try to pull this off is the generation that they are describing. So consider this. If they are wanting that generation to be as they're describing, it may also lead them to being far less nationalistic, which is the one thing that you would see, uh, say, something like a baby boomer or, or earlier, where they were, as you were saying earlier, proud Americans. These ones who are more open to multiculturalism and multi-ethnicism and stuff like that, they might not be so nationalistic, which makes it easier for them to whittle away the country that they're from even more. So I had read some things about a week ago that were claiming Gen Z is more open to the gender programming that's going on. It says here that they're more racially diverse, but even consider that, you know, it's really insidious how they've combined these old cards they used to play to get a reaction. In the old days, you played the politics card, the race card, the gender card, each one of those independently always they got their dividends they got the reaction they were after they got their people mad they got you know they they got what they wanted they've combined them all now right so much of this supposed woke is all being piled into one political idea and they're trying to claim that gen z is receptive and open to these mainstream programming ideas i don't know if that's true Actually, you got a better view than I do because you have a daughter who fits into this time period. So, yeah, I did speak with my daughter about these issues and I got an interesting perspective. She even showed me a conversation between her and some of her friends. They're starting to pick up on a lot of this woke crap, though. Like, it's really getting to that point. Even when the Super Mario Brothers movie came out, if that's the actual title of it, it's something like that. I had said to her, a lot of the uh, people who have seen it said it wasn't woke. And she's like, oh, really? Maybe we'll actually go see it then. Giving me the notion that they don't want woke. They're tired of it. Her and her boyfriend, who's just slightly older than her. It's, it's incredible what's come to pass. And as I was examining some of these social programming agendas and tools, like the race card being used in the way it is now, it occurred to me, I started to see when I was doing my research clips of young people being basically racial, racially bigoted against white people. And so you don't know, is this just what, you know, TikTok or other platforms or, or, or making available for searches or is it pervasive? But it occurred to me that they've already planned for this kind of a race manipulation to fail, but the repercussion of the fail is going to play in their favor too. Because if you go into any, social situation where you somehow make it uneven in the favor of 13% of the group, the backlash from that is going to be every bit as bad as the initial lopsided nature of the initial programming push, if you can follow that logic. Anyhow. Generation Alpha comes after Generation Z and is used to describe children who are born between 2010 and 2025. Social researcher Mark McCrindle coined the term for the most recent generation to denote a new start after Gen Z. They are the first generation to be born entirely in the 21st century, and they are often referred to as the next generation or digital natives. 
Generation Alpha is most certainly shaped by technology and is considered to be more connected, more globally aware, and more open-minded than previous generations. They are also the most racially and ethnically diverse generation in known history. The legacy of Generation Alpha is, of course, yet to be written. How is that even possible? They're the most racially and ethnically diverse? How does that, because there's, I don't, I don't get the logic behind that. The world is what the world is. But I mean, how do you deny that this generational idea isn't absolutely being used for social engineering ends when they call it the new start? So why is it this generation that's a new start? magically out of the bag how is it that this you know seems to couple with the great reset idea the next generation digital natives all kind of the description here almost points to the acceptance of a new world order if you want to and i think these ideas that are being pushed in mainstream narratives show you that it's being used for social engineering the grouping the division all of it but i have no idea how you can claim that one generation is somehow more diverse and, and ethnically diverse than another. There's as many racial people in the world at any time as there is. It, it doesn't make sense. We will now be focusing on the serious issues that are becoming all too noticeable with Generation Z. Unlike millennials who would have come of age during what is called the Great Recession, this new generation would have thought to be coming into a strong economy with record low unemployment. That, of course, has all changed now, as the nonsense COVID-19 scam has reshaped much of the social, political, and economic landscape. Instead of looking ahead to a world of opportunities, it is now said that Gen Z peers into an uncertain future. And that's what we'll be getting into in Hour 2. Yeah, this is why my heart goes out to the Gen Z people. And I think it's a shame that they're online so much effort is being made to show or to try to prove that they're moronic. Let me tell you something. Human beings learn by example. And young people are the product of the older people who took the time to teach them and show them the ropes. That's just a fact. You could say that of a baby rabbit. You could say that of a human being. It is the older generation who has the responsibility to help the new generation in and show them the ropes. Am I wrong here? I don't think so. But yeah, an uncertain future. This may be the so-called one of the first generations who faces a no work future. When I look back at my life, it was common. You got some probably menial job at first, not all of us, many of us, and you tried to work your way up till eventually you found what you thought you might do. And when I was younger, a lot of people got into that field that would carry them through the majority of their life. About halfway through my life, it became common for people to change what they did for work a number of times in a lifetime. But as far as I know, that was not common to generations previous. But the so-called Generation Z, if the programming goes the way that they want it to go, people are not going to work. They're going to get paid UBI. Automation is going to be doing the majority, supposedly, of the jobs that young people would typically cut their teeth at whether it's flipping burgers or doing whatever it is, your first job out of high school, getting into the workforce, that is all going to be flipped on its head. And it is a bleak future. I don't know how it shapes your perception because when I was young, that was the whole thing. Okay, 
you're out of high school. What do you, where are you going to work? What are you going to, you know, that was the guiding you into society idea. And there were people who went against it, but even that is at least a plan. There seems to be no certainty here for these young folks looking at the future. I mean, what would you add, Jason? Well, like I've been saying, I'm concerned about Gen Z, but uh, speaking to my daughter about this stuff really gave me hope that they're not all lost, as one might assume if their heads are constantly in the cloud, if you will, of all this digital nonsense, all these digital trappings. But no, I think that at least some of them are really starting to get it and figure it out. And I honestly think that the bad guys are making a huge mistake being so heavy-handed with all their programming. Look how much they got away with slowly doing things decade by decade. And you had the occasional person, like by the 90s, you you had someone like Bill Cooper really ringing the alarm bell. But it wasn't until after 2001 that you started seeing a lot of people starting to speak out on various things. So I don't know, man. I think that they're really trying too hard and pushing too fast, and it's just waking people up. And because of the side effects of the nonsense in various degrees, whether it's it's the vaccines, whether it's the uh, the social engineering aspects of it, a lot of people have figured out that it was complete crap, nonsense. It just wasn't the truth. And that's a mistake as well, because now those people are not going to so readily accept the next thing that they're going to try and shove on us, which of course is going to be crap about the climate. I agree, Jason. And I think that it's it's our responsibility, us older folks here, to try to help out like we should have from the beginning for the people born from maybe the 90s forward, the mid 90s forward. To me, it feels like the bulk of the serious social engineering that's meant to be long term is aimed at these age groups, free of this generational labeling that we've been talking about. Maybe people born mid-90s forward, they seem to be the target for the lion's share of the programming that wants to facilitate the so-called reset, the new world order, whatever the heck you want to call it. And that's a hell of a weight for any so-called generation to deal with. And I hope we begin to see older people stepping up. And instead of making videos defaming and trying to convince a generation that they're idiotic and somehow less than everybody else to help them out. How would it be to make a video in a different way? Well, do you know about these things? Well, here's what you need to know about these things or or something helpful. And I think that the mindset that I'm seeing online, or at least what's being promoted online, feeds into the programming that is targeting them. It almost feels to me like the baby boomers forward. So whatever generation I am and the baby boomers have become a throwaway generation to the social engineers. They'll deal with us while we're here, but what they're really interested in is the generations that come after for their big pie in the sky, new world order, or whatever you want to call it. Anyhow, anything else you want to add before I wrap up hour one of 505, Jason? Well, there are a lot of things to be concerned about with Gen Z, and that is what we're going to be getting into in hour two. All right, there it is. That's hour one of episode 505. Hour one is free to everybody at pro777radio.com. That is C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. Members know to log in for the full episode. They, of course, have access to the full forum, comments under every episode, and they get free access to Shoot the Moon, which is a two-hour film that Jason edited together covering the majority of the interesting things I shot through my telescope. I think there's five lunar waves. It's got a number of awards. With that, 
Uh, we're going to prep up for hour two. I hope to see everyone on the other side logged in as a member. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing.